Kyle Carezzi, and welcome to Quarantine Spook Show. In this episode, the audio for the first story was cut off, and we'll pick up from the second. This episode's theme is Where's My Teeth? And this first story is called Too Much Coke. Cokes, uh, 8, 9, 11, 11 30. And I'd have another Coke at 3 and at 3 30. And then two Cokes before bed. So eight Cokes a day on average.
So I left the tooth on the nightstand, not really thinking much of it. The next morning I lost it, and I thought that was very peculiar to lose a tooth so suddenly. another tooth. It just seemed like it rotted out of my head. And I was like, huh, two teeth in a week, how very peculiar indeed. So I leave that tooth on the nightstand, and again, that's the next morning, it disappeared as well. So then, uh, another couple days go on, Another tooth falls out, a third one. And I was like, alright, this is getting troubling. It's a lot of people's worst nightmare. The fear of teeth falling out one by one, out of your control. So I think, alright, that is the third tooth out of uh, in two weeks or so. I think I'm just gonna stop drinking Coke altogether. You know, and I said, think, alright, three teeth in uh, two weeks. They all go missing. So I'm just like, alright, alright. Not, not a big deal. Not a big deal. You know, I think I can I think I can manage this. So I try other substitutes instead of Coca-Cola. I go back to coffee. But I never liked how bitter it was. And then I go back to try tea, which isn't quite the same. I try to put a couple, uh, a fair amount of grams of sugar into the tea, see if I could evoke the same feeling of tea. I try seltzer water, seltzer water but that nothing's added to that. It doesn't quite reach the comparison of Coke. And I try, uh, I try a lot of things. I try a lot of different substitutes. I just try eating pastries. Swig of motor oil because it might as well be the same thing. But uh, nothing really does it. So one night I'm walking to a convenience store and uh, I see uh, I see a line of refrigerated cokes all lined up. It's too damaging to my health. I don't want all my teeth to disappear. Not like that uh, one woman downstate who, who allegedly found this huge uh, missing teeth, uh, Kroger with a C, asparagus conspiracy, conspiracy about this whole black market thing. And I didn't want to be driven to that state of insanity about my dental hygiene. So I thought, I'll just... Just not gonna drink the cokes. I'm not gonna do it. But I think, but you know, maybe I can drink one coke. No, not drink a coke. Purchase a coke.
So I think I'll purchase the Coke and then just not drink it. A simple enough task, you know? It's not like climbing a mountain. I'll just keep it on the counter and use it to demonstrate self-control and willpower, you know? Which might be like kind of like a Catholic thing, I guess, you know? Just like a sacrifice and going without. But I think I can do it. It'll be evidence of willpower and strength to just not drink the Coke. And I thought I'll start tonight. So I purchased that Coke proudly. Just a simple can. It kind of looked, I think they kind of did like a retro rebranding thing. So it looked like it had a 90s label to it, which somehow made it more delicious. So I think, okay, just set a Coke on my counter for one night. What can go wrong? sandwich, you know, put some Dijon mustard on it, some mayo, some Gouda cheese. Really, it was quite the bomb, I have to say. I'm surprised CNN didn't just call me right then and ask about the sweet sandwich that I just made. But the Coke is still there, sitting on the counter. I think, oh, well, uh, you know, all I have to do is just not drink it. But then rain picked out, picked up outside. And it was just me and the Coke. I sat in the kitchen chair just staring at it. And I'm just like, all right, I'm not going to drink it. I'm not going to drink that Coca-Cola. I don't care about the sound it makes when you first crack it open and that first sip this rush of suds burning your throat and going down your esophagus and into your stomach. I'm just not gonna drink the Coke. That's what I tell myself. It's the only thought I have for an hour straight. I'm not gonna drink the Coke. Easier said than done. I uh, try to go into the other room, watch some television, you know, watch a talk show uh, through Zoom, you know, because a lot of talk show hosts are essentially YouTubers these days. Not thinking about the Coca-Cola, not paying it any mind whatsoever. I drink as much water as I can. I drink some whiskey. But nothing can quite satiate me than a, a, the smooth taste and flavor of a Coca-Cola. that says, drink me. And I'm just like, what? It repeats itself again, drink me. And then I go into the kitchen, and it's the Coca-Cola. 
it's just, what is, what's going on? And then Coca-Cola Coca says, Linus, which was my name, you gotta drink me. Think about all the suds going down your esophagus into your stomach. Settling and making your stomach kind of upset, but also giving your mind a boost of caffeine and sugar that you desperately crave. I, I ignore it. It's like, no, I can just drink coffee and eat, eat sweets. And the Coca-Cola laughs and says, ah, uh, you know it's not the same. suds go down my esophagus into my stomach, giving me a slight pain of caffeine and sugar. And then it's over. I felt like I almost passed out from the sugar rush. I was lying on the ground and had 28 cans of crushed cokes scattered around me. I must have, in a state of delirium, must have bought all those, all those cokes and chugged them down. And I just think, uh, my stomach hurts and it's so strange. It's still nighttime, so not much time must have passed. drank all that coca-cola I look at myself I feel I can already feel my skin you know become affected by the caffeine and the sugar and all the other random ingredients that they might put into the coca-cola you know I don't think much of it Whatever sort of like motor oil ingredients that they add. And I just look at my skin, look at my acne, 
look at my teeth. I think, oh god, the whole reason why I did this was to keep dental hygiene. I didn't want all my teeth to fall out of my mouth. Not like those people who, uh, claim those conspiracies with Kroger with a C, poisoning the public and having their teeth fall out just to be harvested by, uh, dental assistants. So I look at myself in the mirror, look at my teeth, and suddenly one comes loose. without effort pulling out this tooth. And I think, ah, oh, no big deal, no big deal. It's just uh, the fourth tooth at a two weeks. It's no, nothing at all. And then another tooth comes out. And another, and another. And eventually I watch all of my teeth rotting, coming out of my face, one by one. Become more brown and more yellow, and they just fall into the counter like little, like the little flakes of calcium that they are. And I try to shut my mouth to stop myself from shedding all of these teeth, but they just keep going. And it's such a, it's not that it was a painful and harrowing experience, it was that it was a numb experience. I didn't even feel these teeth come out because they were so withered and so brittle. cut my mouth, all the teeth sp spill out onto the counter, and then I look at myself, and I'm just like, oh my god, I have no teeth, nothing to chew on, nothing to bite into. single swoop, but I'm awoken suddenly by the window. Someone's breaking in. They open the window slowly, trying not to wake me. And I freak out, so I turn on their light real quick, and then I see a vicious beast, similar to a moth. Not quite Mothman, but they had razor-sharp teeth, multiple eyes, a lot of fur, like that of an insect, and insect limbs, and very ferocious, the most ferocious wings that I've ever seen. And they were holding my cup of teeth, and I 
stare at the beast. And with, you know, with logic defying itself throughout, logic defying itself throughout this entire evening, I just think, I'm gonna ask this beast one question, and I ask the beast, are you the tooth fairy? And then the creature nods solemnly. And I just nod back and I say, okay. I turn off the light, I go back to sleep, and pretend it never happened. When I woke up, there was a 20 underneath my pillow. Oh my god. The tooth fairy's paying you for sex with me. Yep. Mm hmm. That's a lot to think about. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I didn't know that serve was going to go there, for sure. Yeah, right. Somebody's got a tooth geek. And then what happens with the tooth fairy? Maybe we'll find out in the next story. <laughs> it's also worth noting that uh, the uh, the recording was cut off at the first story. So none of the first story made it to the uh, recording, unfortunately. Aww. But you got to hear it, so I think that was pretty yeah. important. <laughs> But yeah, just it's worth noting that that this is a where's where is where's my teeth theme uh, spook show this evening. But unlike last week, it wasn't a, a same continuity. It was a different dental hygiene themed horror, the most riveting horror you can find for sure, which is true. I don't think there's enough. There isn't enough dental hygiene horror. Because, I don't know, I, I freak out about dental hygiene. I don't know about you guys. I don't know what to say to that, since I know you freak out about a lot of things. I freak out about so many things. That's, yeah. <laughs> so many things that can be tra translated into spooks, for sure. <laughs> Even how much Coke you drink, it's, I think your teeth are naturally clean. Yeah. You know? I mean, it's, you know, I, I think about my teeth when I drink Cokes. You know. Do you pray? <laughs> you pray for every little tooth? Well, you should. Maybe maybe I should. You want a little prayer for each and every one of them? It's, with the coffee and Cokes, it's, um, yeah, my, my teeth are in trouble. <laughs> but it does keep me, you know, it does freak me out. <laughs> like many things in this world. But luckily those things can be translated into spooks. Yeah. Name your teeth and you should have a little names for every tooth. So when you pray, including them personally... Teeth prayers? Yeah. yeah, teeth prayers. Tooth prayers. Alright. Singular. One for each tooth. Um, I'm just having flashbacks of when I used to pray to God. About your teeth? No, about people. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no. But I was just like, and bless this person, that person, and just like do like a little list. So maybe I should do that list with teeth now. You Every got a lot of work to do with a lot of missing prayers for all your little teeth. With your baby Jesus and your golden blue cybers. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Alright, so I have the next story pulled. And this is uh, going to be another... I, I suspect this will be another dental hygiene-themed story. Or dental teeth-themed about missing teeth. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, this is going to be a field day. <laughs> <laughs> this next story is called <laughs> Lovecraft's Dumb. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, 
happening, yeah. I don't know who put that in there. Like <laughs> really shoved them out, if you know what I'm saying. So we held it in Memphis, you know. We, uh, the Lovecraft Festival was, the Lovecraft Conference slash festival was one week after the Elvis Conference that would also play at the same amphitheater, I mean, uh, conference center. This is not my way of shitting on Memphis or Tennessee. Just saying, Memphis is in the Elvis. I'm. I am. I'm. That's. I just. I blurted out Memphis. I don't really know enough about Tennessee to even make fun of it properly. I'm treading carefully. But as far as the Lovecraft conference go, you know, I guess you could say I was a big star at the Lovecraft conference. I've read all of his work, studied his life. In fact, I would argue that Lovecraft is the greatest storyteller of our time. So every year at the Lovecraft conference, I would always give these lectures about Lovecraft, you know. He was underappreciated by academia and those Ivy League snobs. A lot of people dismissed him for, you know, just developing a cool mythos and just being all like rock and roll and aiming and just really only captivating the cheap thrills of just spooky uh, testicle monsters. But I was like, no, Lovecraft was so much more. He didn't just rip off Arabia, uh, 1001 Arabian Nights. He was a visionary with all the spooks. He was a spook master, for sure. A lot of people would come up and criticize my... In the outside world, in the default world, that's what we Lovecraftians called people who weren't into Lovecraft. They'd come to me and said, hey, you know, in the color out of space, when he's talking about the scientists with the meteor, they just smashed the meteor with the hammer, and that's not really uh, scientific, even by, like, 1920s Western standards. He really didn't know anything about science to be writing about it. And I say, well, you know what? 
Maybe Lovecraft tried to reinvent science. He knew there's a whole spooky word out there, out there in the universe. A lot of people criticize Lovecraft for, even though he told stories about spooks, he didn't quite dive into those spooks. Many people can compare horror stories with riding a roller coaster, and the scariest part is the ascension, and not the fall. And they criticize Lovecraft because he was too afraid to even board the roller coaster. He would just write about how spooky the roller coaster was. And I'm just like, no, 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 no. He's writing about how spooky the roller coaster was because the roller coaster was very spooky. I was always dismissed by my infatuation with Lovecraft. Truth be told, horror in America wouldn't be the same without him. But my peers at the Lovecraft convention, they... <laughs> I, have a, I have a theory that's a Tennessee joke. I didn't make it. Or Lovecraft. There's a lot of... There's a lot going on in this story. So... So I'd go to the Lovecraft conference, I'd talk about all about his stories. About how awesome he was, how he lived. And in fact, when I wrote papers about him, some people said that I wrote like Lovecraft. Which I perceived as the highest oh, no. of compliments. So I'm giving, I'm giving a lecture. I'm giving a lecture at the Lovecraft Conference in Memphis, Tennessee. And then someone raises their hand and he says, how come Lovecraft didn't do any stories about dental hygiene? And then I say, what are you, a dentist? And he says, well, yes, I am. I don't know if you've spent a lifetime looking into people's mouths, but having done so, I can say there's nothing more horrifying than looking into the mouth of someone who doesn't clean their teeth. And it erupts a laugh from the conference, and I'm just like, well, you know, I don't know about Lovecraft's dental hygiene. I don't know why he's never written stories about teeth or anything like that. About stories about teeth going missing. Especially all of them at once. Or some of them, a couple of them, gradually over a steady period of time. So I don't have a I don't have an answer for you. ends, you know, we have a celebratory uh, hotel party afterwards, you know, just talking about Lovecraft, you know, just being like, oh yeah, those stories are really good, right? Yeah, yeah, really spooky indeed. And then another uh, person at the conference, he was also a speaker, 
uh, he comes up to me and he says, Hey, I really like the stuff you write about Lovecraft. You really have a deep admiration for him. And I say, Yeah, yeah, I'd like to think so. And he says, You know, have you ever seen any of his unpublished stories? And I say, yeah, yeah, you know, I've seen a few, I've, I've, read, I've read, yeah, I've read all this stuff, everything that's come to print. And he says, no, I mean his, his hidden works. And I say, no, I don't quite know what you're referring to. take very good care of his teeth. And I say, oh, um, I didn't know that about his life. You know, I know his, uh, you know, his biography pretty well. And he says, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll show you, I'll show you something uh, he wrote. It's not a story, but it's a diary entry about his teeth. And I say, okay, this person, and uh, we talk Lovecraft, we talk dental hygiene, we talk politics, sports, the whole gamut of things you talk about, you know. And he says, alright, so I have a PDF file of uh, the Lovecraft uh, diary. I took pictures, pictures of it, and I'll send it to you. And I say, okay, so I get it on my phone. And I, I read it, and that's, uh, Lovecraft talking about him it's a diary entry of Lovecraft making an initiative to have proper dental hygiene and it's a beautiful most beautiful passages you've ever read about teeth starts off by Lovecraft making the change of, yes, I will have cleaner teeth. I don't want anyone to make fun of me for not having good teeth. People might see me as a spookster someday, you know. I want credit in these Pulp Fiction conventions. So I'll make more initiative of brushing my teeth. Twice. No. Three times a day. So, every diary entry, he does so. He writes logs of his teeth brushing habits. Every day he brushes, he eats well, he eats a lot of carrots. A lot of vegetables. No, nothing too sugary to damage his teeth to cause cavities. The little money he has, he goes to the dentist regularly. And as I read all the, the breakdown of his entire dental habits, I admire him even more. I just think Lovecraft. H.P. Lovecraft. Howard Filler... 
Howard Philip Lovecraft. I have a newfound <laughs> appreciation appreciation for the superb dental hygiene <laughs> that you take care of. <laughs> I've never seen your teeth in person. But surely you have the most immaculate teeth that anyone can imagine. And again, I lament over never seeing these beautiful pearly whites. But then the diary takes a turn. And it starts with, I think something's following me. And I think, ah, oh, this sounds more like Lovecraft, you know. And he goes on to write, and he thinks, I think someone or something doesn't want me to have good teeth. And I think, oh no, Lovecraft. Why would anyone uh, poo-poo your good habits? Surely your peers are nothing but supportive, but all the swell care you're taking about your teeth. followed by people in suits. He thinks it's FBI or something like that. He also writes down bizarre passages of a supermarket he goes to called Kroger with a C following him and always whenever he crosses these people on the street they make eyeballs, they make uh, eye contact with his teeth and he's just like, ah, I think these people want my teeth. I've taken so well care of them. I think they're, they're after me. I don't know if this is true or not, but it's causing me so much anxiety that I think I'll write a story about it and make the teeth fear a metaphor for some sort of testicle monster or something. Some sort of spook with uh, slimy tentacles, you know. That whole gamut, that whole Lovecraft thing. People start calling it the Lovecraft thing someday, I assure you. And then I stop reading the diary entry and I'm just like, huh, who would follow him for having good teeth? Doesn't really make sense. I mean, I did hear that Kruger with a C was in cahoots with dental offices about harvesting teeth by uh, giving bad food to people so that people can come into the night and steal them. So I think about that passage. I think about uh, Lovecraft's superb dental hygiene. see Dent Lovecraft's teeth in person. <laughs> so I, you know, admiring Lovecraft in so many ways and literally every iteration that you can possibly admire the guy. I think, you know what? I'm going to take better care of my teeth. I think that's the right thing to do. If I truly admire Lovecraft, I will emulate him every possible way. 
So that's exactly what I do. I, uh, take care of my teeth in a similar way to Lovecraft, you know, emulating his diary logs, doing the same rituals, brushing my teeth two, no, three times a day. So beautiful and so radiant. I try to smile extra at people so that they can notice my teeth, but no one ever says anything, but I know they're thinking how great my teeth is. But then over time, it seems like people are following me. People in suits, eyeballing my teeth. Even, you know, when I walk past people, they see me, they see my teeth. And it has a vicious glare of just like, yes, I want those teeth. Beyond the usual flattery you may give to someone with nice teeth. But it seems like these people in suits not only want teeth, but they want blood. Causes me great concern. Go back to those Lovecraft diaries, and I reread the final entries about his dental hygiene. And Lovecraft said that he eventually stopped taking good care of his teeth because he wanted those mysterious people following him off his back. And I think, well, that seems a bit silly, even for Lovecraft. There's no reason to be frightened about good hygiene. I do is I continue to keep brushing my teeth, practicing borderline impeccable dental hygiene. And I brush my teeth every day, floss too, go to the dentist regularly. And eventually, uh, have the shiniest teeth on my block. But those men in suits never relinquish. In fact, more of them show up. So one night, I'm holed up into my uh, studio apartment. And, uh, I, feel, I look out the window every now and then to see if anyone's watching. I do see people in those suits walk by my building. I don't know if they're following me or keeping tabs on me. I don't know. It's very spooky indeed. So, what I end up doing is I go to sleep. Just, I don't want to worry about it anymore. What's the meaning of this? What's going on? 
the men in suits are there, and there's a doctor. But, uh, I recognize from that Kroger with a C story about the woman who claimed to see horrible mutilations and surgeries in the basement of a dental office as part of a black market scheme in conjunction with Kroger with a C. Almost identical with the picture. And he says, be quiet, be still. We're about to remove your teeth. I say, what? And he says, be quiet. So he takes this mysterious device and he extracts all my teeth one by one. I scream relentlessly, but no one comes to the answer. Men in suits are surrounding the room, watching the procedure with fascination. watching uh, 20-something friends go. Goodbye, Dan. Goodbye, Daryl. Goodbye, Nathaniel. Vixen. France. England. London. Memphis. Boston. Cleopatra. Julius. Caesar. Treaser. Ozzy. Dio. Uh, Deep Purple. One by one, they're all extracted from my mouth, and I'm just laying there half-conscious, blood oozing from my mouth, empty bare gums with just these holes pulled out, all my nerve endings have its maximum pain, half delirious, and the doctor having all the teeth in a little tray. He says, ah, thank you, young chap. Your teeth will not be unappreciated, though we put to good use. As we put them in the black market, in conjunction with Kroger with a C, along with all the other skeevy shit they do. I mean, you think this is scary. Kroger with a C, they do some way more fucked up shit than I, than, you know, we do. And I'm just staring at him in delirium. And I try to speak, but I don't have teeth. pass out, and then I wake up again, my room's empty, my wallet's gone, so that's cool, I guess, and just, and I start to cry, I start to question Lovecraft's impeccable logic and living and storytelling, and I just sit there alone, and I think, where's my teeth? Yeah, I told I told you that uh that uh anti Lovecraft one would be to feel a field day. Oh. We're enjoying this. Good. Lesson, good. Lesson good. 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 <laughs> we don't associate with unless unless Cody Goodfellow's the same. Um, he's different. Sorry, Cody. I Lovecraft's great as the at the cosmic tentacle spook monsters, <laughs> but uh, there's a lot of things about him and his work that I don't agree with. Oh, as it's cat nigger boy, that's not good. No, not even a little bit. <laughs> he inspired a generation, generations of desires, but he's gone. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, 
I think I'll do one more tooth theme story. One more chapter. Yes, yes. And again, I'm lamenting that the uh, I'm lamenting that the first story wasn't recorded. Y'all missed something that was um. That was fantastic. Okay. Was fucked good. up. Well, like, I was excited about it because, like, it had, like, a conspiracy component to it, you know? And it was just, like, it had, like, it had bureaucracy in it, which is... It had bureaucracy Yeah, because it. it had, like, a black market. Nothing gets the heart going like a bit of bureaucracy, you know? I've like, been, yeah. I'm trying... the sweats or mm-hmm. the heart to go pitter-tatter. I've been trying to reference it in each story as, like, a recap thing. So, you know, it, it was a pretty it was solid breakdown. But, uh... Literally, somebody just lost their teeth. Everyone loses their teeth in these stories, because that's you know. That's the way the tooth crumbles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and now I'll I'll read another one. In the spirit of, where's my teeth? This next story is called. The five o'clock fangs. It's also worth noting that, uh, based on the uh, penmanship of these stories, <laughs> the Where's My Teeth card and the the Five O'Clock Fangs card were written on different days. This is really weird. <laughs> I mean, dental hot. Hey, if there's any lesson here, brush your teeth, brush your teeth, floss them, go to the. That's right. Well, that, that's, I don't think that's good for your teeth either. <laughs> or body in general. Any sort of snorting that's off. No. No. I can't add, I'm not even gonna. No. I love crabs okay, but snoring cones off limits, huh? Alright. <laughs> if you noted from that last story, that was satire. should have known from the protagonists uh, thinking that Lovecraft had impeccable judgment. Rodriguez sat in his living room having some scotch enjoying his evening after a long night he was a dentist by technical profession he had no uh, ethical concerns about the type of dental work he did mainly because it took place in basements of dental offices. He would harvest teeth from unwilling clients, sell them on the black market. And also do different types of dental surgeries uh, on different clients in the form of experimentations. 
these projects were funded by Kroger with a C, as they uh, gave uh, bad asparagus to the public that caused people's teeth to fall out. So that way, dental offices aligned with uh, Dr. Rodriguez's uh, horrible practice could take the teeth and then experiment with them, insert them in other people. In fact, Dr. Rodriguez had an operation last week where he was uh, extracting all the teeth from a Lovecraft enthusiast who had the most immaculate teeth he's ever seen. But no, he never questioned the ethics of the practice he did. Though people would... If, people, if the general public knew the types of operations he would do, they'd call him malicious, evil, horrible, gruesome experiments, all related to dental hygiene. And yet, yet they were never accepted, he was never accepted by his parents for not being a surgical doctor on human anatomy, but only worked on teeth. So as he went into these dark dungeons and basements to do these horrible, terrible procedures, unethical in most places of the world, he would think, oh, I'll show you. He was respected by his peers, who were also evil. But the peculiar thing is, he didn't see himself as evil. He thought he was doing the world good. He thought, no, people will appreciate these dental procedures, the experiments I'm doing, the innovative ways of dental surgery. Someday, everyone will understand. Dr. Regis didn't know that he was alone in this uh, insight because he was a madman. He did atrocious things, but he saw himself as good as a pioneer in a new era of dental surgery. But what would it take for him to realize how evil he was? His phone rings. He's halfway through his double shot of scotch. He's just like, damn, this is good scotch. It's like slurping up candy, you know? But, like, the gratification of candy. Dr. Rodriguez doesn't eat candy because he, too, has good teeth. So Dr. Rodriguez, who's having the scotch, and his phone rings. He still has a landline because he's old-fashioned like that. And it's a call from a, a dental practice he's been working at recently. Another dental practice that is uh, in an underground market of uh, illicit teeth extraction and uh, delivery in cahoots with Kroger with a C. evening. And he says, well, I'm okay. I'm just enjoying scotch. You know, I had a long 
long, hard week. A lot of uh, pioneering dental procedures, you know. We did a superb teeth extraction, you know, last week. And the person on the other line says, uh huh, uh huh, that's great. Listen, we need you to come with the practice. And he says, oh? What do you need specifically? Do I need my tools or anything? I mean, I'm not on call right now. Maybe you can call uh, someone else. And the person on the other line says, no, no, no. We need the best for this job. So, Dr. Rodriguez, dedicated to his craft, didn't question it and just went to the dental office straight away. It was a cold night that evening. So he arrives at the facility, goes down to the basement dungeon. Every evil dentist's office has an evil dungeon area. just in case he might need it. And Dr. Rodriguez says, yeah, yeah, what's, so what's going on? You uh, called me pretty late at night. Uh, surely it's something that's, that's important. And uh, the CEO of the uh, dental branch is there. He owns several dental, dental branches and a privatized uh, dental network. He's usually the one that sends Dr. Rodriguez on uh, assignments. So the CEO says, yes, yes, we, uh, your work is imperative here. Dr. Rodriguez says, well, what's the procedure? So the CEO says, do you believe in vampires? Dr. Rodriguez says, well, I've never claimed to know about them. However, I've had a couple of page patients with very peculiar fangs that seems akin to a vampire, and I saw these patients at night. So I, I guess you could call me a believer in vampires and all that hoopla. The CEO nods and says, okay. We have a vampire patient in there waiting for you. So Rodriguez says, oh, well, why do you need me for it? And the CEO gets blunt and he says, we need those fangs. Do you have any idea how expensive those vampire fangs are in the underground tooth market? And Rodriguez says, well, I've seen the prices but I've never seen one in person. So the CEO says, take a look in there, in that window over there. Dr. Rodriguez looks into the surgery room and he sees the vampire, almost stereotypical, has the sleek black hair, the pale skin, but most importantly, the wide fangs. He's trapped into the chair like all of his other patients. Rodriguez said, huh, those fangs are truly beautiful on that vampire. And the CEO nods in a steady form of grief, and he's just like, ah, right, right. So what we need you to do, Dr. Rodriguez, is to extract those fangs. They're the only one 
that lacks the ethical reasoning to do so. Doctor uh, Doctor Rodriguez says, uh, "Don't know what you mean by that, but uh, sure, sure. I guess I can do that." Did you just call me Doctor Fang right now? No, no. I, if I did, I meant to say Rodriguez. Dr. Rodriguez says, oh, okay. I could have sworn you said Fang. That's another guy. Uh, works at a different dental practice. He's not even, like, evil. He doesn't really know what's going on uh, in terms of uh, underground black market uh, dental shenanigans. You know, I'm a professional, okay? And the CEO, CEO says, yeah, yeah, sorry. And, and, you know, just, you know, vampires and stuff. And talking about Fangs. If I called you Dr. Fang, I've met him a couple times. It was a mistake. My bad. We respect your work, Dr. Rodriguez. And Dr. Rodriguez says, thank you very much. Now about these fangs. It's not going to take a usual pair of pliers to take these out. They have to be silver. And the CEO says, oh, we already have that covered. He snaps his fingers. And then a dental assistant steps up and opens a tiny leather box. And inside is a, a fresh, glimmering pair of uh, silver dental pliers, specifically crafted for vampires. And Dr. Rodriguez good, says, good, good. Now, uh, this is a very dangerous procedure, so I'm going to need a buffer. And the CEO says, right, right. We have an intern here. Uh, I think he can help out pretty well. Okay, bring uh, the intern and three other people, uh, a dental assistants, and we'll all head in. Give me the silver pliers, and we'll get this done. So, Dr. Rodriguez, the three dental assistants, and the intern, they all head in. Dr. Rodriguez gives the intern a pair of cheap pliers, and he says, all right, if you want to prove yourself in the underground dental black market hygiene world, your first job, your first real dental work on a patient, extract those fangs from that vampire. And the intern, you know, is a bit quicker than the rest of his lot, and he says, no, I don't, uh, I'm not going to do that. Dr. Rodriguez says, well, you know, if you want to make it in the uh, underground dental world, you're going to have to extract from that vampire. We've all extracted teeth from vampires. It's a rite of passage, so to speak. But the intern knew better. And he said, I'm not going to do it. You know, there's no way I'm going to survive extracting teeth from that vampire. He's going to bite me. It's going to be unpleasant. I'm not into it. So Dr. Regis says, all right, how about this? He uh, puts his arm around the intern, trying to, trying to relate to him a little bit. And he says, you know, if you take that teeth, those teeth out of that vampire, you'd be a hero. And the intern backed up and says, get the fuck out of here. And he's like, what, what? That's what Kroger with a C says. Well, what do you mean? No, no, no. You just, you don't even give a shit about my life. That's the only time you people call people heroes if you don't give a fuck about if they live or die. I know this game. You're not martyrizing me. I'm out. The 
intern storms out, and the Rodriguez says, Oh, damn. Alright, new plan. He goes to one of the dental assistants, one of three, or he speaks to all three of them, and he says, Okay, with proper protective equipment, which one of you will be willing to extract that tooth from a vampire, not being called a hero, but also being recognized for the adequate risk you're taking? And, uh, the assistant, one assistant raises his hand, and he's just like, well, if you, if I got, like, an equipment, like a buffer, so that fangs can't sink in, you know? And Rodriguez says, great. So they give him equipment, you know? And a dental assistant, you know, he's walking up to the vampire. And then he sees the vampire's fangs. He's, like, biting and gnawing. He says, let me out of here. This is bullshit. You're not taking my fangs. And then the dental assistant, with the protective equipment, he says, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. And Rodriguez says, what is it? This, this isn't, this is gonna, this isn't gonna be resilient against uh, his fangs or anything. He says, what do you mean? Well, you know, it's gonna bite right through it, you know? You're not really, you're giving me protective equipment just to check a box, but you're not really expecting me to be safe from it. It's very disingenuous. It's not okay. I'm out of here. So the dental assistant storms off, and Rodriguez says, Huh, you think it wouldn't be so hard to be this evil? So he looks at the remaining two dental assistants, and he says, Okay, which one of you kind of want to be a vampire? dental assistant says, raising both his hands. Rodriguez says, okay, great. Because if you go if you go take these cheap pliers and try to extract those fangs, there's a strong likelihood that you will be turned into a vampire. It's just no no way around it, but it's an important job. If you if you're down for that consequence, you know, go for it. The dental assistant says, yeah, that'd be cool. And Rodriguez says, great. So he goes to the other dental assistant, and he says, okay. Once the vampire is biting him, you, and I, you put on the device to pry his mouth open so he can't bite down, and I'll extract the fangs. And the dental assistant says, well, why do you get to extract the fangs? And Rodriguez says, well, because I'm the, I'm, the, I'm the dentist, you know? Because I, 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 want, I, want, I want the glory. I have the silver pliers. I'm the one going through basements and dungeons around the country, extracting teeth and doing crazy dental experiments on people without their consent or anything. I'm pioneering a new age of dent dentistry. Don't you understand? I need these fangs. It must be me to extract them. So the dental assistant pauses, thinks for a moment, and he says, oh, well, I only ask because... You know, it seems less dangerous to be the one to put in the uh, mouth protection thing to pry the vampire's mouth open, and more dangerous to actually extract the fangs. So I was asking you as a courtesy. So Rodriguez says, hmm, I didn't think about that. Alright. You seem like you have potential. You can be the one to extract the fangs. Take these pliers, but be 
gentle about it. This is a very delicate procedure. If we mess this up, our whole operation can go kaput. Do you understand? And the dental assistant says, yes, yes I do. So the dental assistant uh, put on gloves and he took the silver pliers and Rodriguez and the two dental assistants, they go forward toward the vampire who's trying to gnaw at the straps, trying to be unleashed. So the first dental assistant with the cheap pliers goes and tries to extract the teeth and uh, the pliers break in the process and he starts to get bit by him, bit in the arm. And he says, oh no, that, uh, being bit, this is painful and whatnot. So then, uh, Dr. Rodriguez, he, uh, puts on the mouse, mouse, mouth guard on the vampire, extracting the jaw. And then the dis dental assistant doesn't do anything. And Rodriguez says, what are you doing? The fangs are ready. So then a dental assistant takes out a scalpel and then slices Dr. Rodriguez. Dr. Rodriguez says, what the hell are you doing? And the dental assistant removes his face mask and he has fangs too. In quick haste, he unties the vampire and they take their third newfound vampire friend and they flee together. Dr. Rodriguez says, oh, after them, hurry. So the whole underground dental staff, they're chasing the vampires, Rodriguez as well. And then when the vampires are long gone, the CEO goes to Rodriguez and he says, oh, what happened? You ruined it. And Dr. Rodriguez says, well, it wasn't intentional. It was a lapse of judgment. But give me another chance. Surely I can track down these vampires. says, okay, you get one more chance, otherwise you're eradicated from the underground dental community. So later that night, Rodriguez uh, sits alone, still with his undrank glass of scotch, trying to hatch a scheme, and then he thinks of something. a pair of pliers that he has laying around. He extracts one of his teeth. He's bleeding. His gums are bleeding out, but he doesn't care. He puts, puts some ointment on it, some uh, medical aid to it, so it hurts less. And then he goes, he puts the tooth under his pillow. And then he uh, closes his eyes as, as if he was sleeping. in the morning and his window slowly opens and he has one eye open and he sees the tooth fairy come into his room in a moth-like humanoid stature ferocious wings multiple eyes multiple limbs and a little tiny satchel where the tooth fairy keeps their teeth Rodriguez uh, Rodriguez tw quickly turns on the light, and he says, Tooth Fairy, I have summoned you. 
the Tooth Fairy says, What do you desire, then? If you've summoned me so, without the need to relinquish your teeth. Rodriguez says, I know of a pair of fangs we can find together. If you help me find these fangs, I'll give you the largest tooth bounty that I have to offer. And the Tooth Fairy shakes his head solemnly. No deal. I know who you are, Rodriguez. I know how you get your teeth. I only seek teeth that are only fallen out organically by natural causes. That is my moral teeth code. I will never stoop down to the level of such as yourself, like the most despicable of you, hum of you humans can do. The vampires know about you, and they're after you. Heed my warning, Rodriguez. Change your ways, or your doom would, would unfold on you. Rodriguez, not taking any of this seriously, he says, Be gone, Tooth Fairy. So as the Tooth Fairy leaves, Rodriguez tries to think of another plan. Until he hears a knock at his door. He goes to answer it, and it's, uh... It's uh, three vampires, no, excuse me, three, four vampires. One that was strapped to the gurney. One that was undercover as a dental assistant. The one that turned. And the first intern that quit. And Rodriguez says, oh, I guess they turned you as well. strapped in says we've come for you Rodriguez we cannot enter your property due to these specific vampire rules but whenever you leave your house we'll find you we'll destroy you and take your teeth just to give you a taste of your own medicine and Rodriguez laughs in that uh, evil scientist laugh the kind that are funded by bureaucracies with no heart he says, that's fine. I don't have to leave. I can have the patients come here. And if I did choose to leave, I could fend you off. I'll continue to fight to my dying breath. But then he was cut off. The intern was never a vampire at all, and he lunges at Dr. Rodriguez, and then pulls him out from the doorway outside the house. feed on his flesh. They only suck blood, but they wanted him to suffer. And Rodriguez, his life faded from him. He reflected on his life of all the distorted and demented dental, story, dental surgeries that he's done, and having no idea of the wrongdoing of all those acts that led him to this moment. Thank you.
It is indeed. And thus concludes tonight's dental-themed quarantine spook show. If nothing else, I hope everyone is motivated to brush their teeth and floss regularly. Good night.